Standby like use 2 through 33, sound 1A through 7. On deck, standby Q actors. Electrics, kill the blue run lights, please. Like you 2 and sound 1A. Go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hang and Focus Live. I'm your host, Sean Daniels. Thank you all so much for joining us. I'm going to turn on my video camera. There we go. Thank you all so much for joining us. We're thrilled to have you. I am always here with my amazing co-host coming out here, Chanel Bragg. How are you? Hello, everyone. I'm doing pretty good. It's been a good week, a busy week. It has. So let's tell everybody, you and I have been working on putting together Slow Food by Wendy McLeod to get it ready for its presentation next week. Yes, it has been an ex- incredible experience. We cannot wait to show you what we put together. Um, the three actors that are working on this are so funny. And it's just, it's time to laugh. So I'm excited for everyone to like see what we've been cooking up. Well, and you know, I, I realized, you know, I... Um, it's been so long since I directed something, right? And I'm sure like every artist feels this way also, where it's like, we've been like working at a theater, we've been figuring out how to deal with COVID, we've been trying to keep theater going, we've been talking to our senators, and then it's like, oh my God, it's actually been so long since I've been in a rehearsal room, like using muscles that I used to know how to use all the time. You know, that you were like, oh, this is, oh, I know how this moment goes. I know how this goes. And like the joy that comes, I think, especially with working on a comedy, right? Where it's just like, you know, everybody laughs. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I find myself like wanting to weep openly at the end of each day being like, oh my God, that was so much fun. Like that's that's what we used to do. We used to get together and like try to make each other laugh for like five or six hours at a time. And then at the end of the process, share with the audience what we thought was the best version. And it feels like we're doing that again. And I think what's great, right, is that you're co-directing with me. So I'm working with the the actors that we had when we did the world premiere production uh, up in Massachusetts. And what's nice is to have someone else in the room with a fresh set of eyes on it. You know, so there are moments that there's moments that you're like, this moment is weird. And I was like, ah. I just kind of hoped nobody would ever notice, but of course, oh, no way. <laughs> you know, to be able to do. So it's been so great to have you there and so great just to be like, I can't wait for our audience to have just a, like a stupid top to bottom comedy where they just get to laugh and enjoy it. And then there's, of course it's Wendy McLeod, right? So it's like sneaky, heartfelt. Right. Well, my face is still hurting from just our rehearsal earlier today. Like my, my face is hurting from laughing so hard. Um, And also one of the moments that stuck with me from this week was one of our actors had taped up like all of his little like entrances and exits and what props, you know, he was grabbing. And I was like, oh, this is nostalgic, right? And so you see those posts on Facebook that are like, um, be there, um, you know, be ready in 30 minutes. Or, you know, they put like little uh, notes as their status that are as as if they're in the theater. Uh, But it was nice this week to actually be in the theater you know so i know i know and you know if one of the silver linings of all of this is that right one of our actors is in los angeles one of our actors is in pittsburgh and the other actor is in brooklyn right right and we're you and i are in arizona and Ido, our tech director is you know in new jersey and so we're able to pull off things that we couldn't do before right would have been prohibitive to do so i hope that everybody tunes in uh, we had a great conversation with Wendy last week, right? But it's going to be September 15th, 5 o'clock, for people to tune in and to see Slow Food by Wendy McLeod, which is just fun top to bottom. And I think we all need that laugh, right? Like we all just need, uh, we all just need. For sure. And it's about, and it's about you know, uh, the great thing that Wendy does, right? It's about relationships, ultimately. It's always about relationships, right? Yeah, the very human nature of that piece is what, like, every time we were in rehearsal, I was like, yep, I've been there. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've been through that exact conversation. So I just thought it was beautiful. Um, yeah. Also, we're excited for our audience to get involved in our Nails It Challenge. ATC Nails It. Uh, we're doing a butter carving challenge. We release that information on our website. Uh, and you have until next Thursday to get in your entry for a prize. And I know what the prize is, and it's pretty good, so. That's great. Who those butter pictures? And when when is that revealed? When do the winners find out? The winners will find out on the next episode of Hang and Focus. What? Our beautiful cast of Slow Food will be choosing the winner live. So it's going to be really exciting. 
That's amazing. That's great. Um, so today we are here to talk with the creative team of my 80 year old boyfriend, which is an award winning show that we'll talk about that is still, you know, in the midst of getting ready, you know, making some adjustments. We just had a workshop. We'll talk about that for a little, but it's, um, it's going to be a really important show. I think in the history of our theater, because it's going to be our first show back, you know? And I think when we think about, what are we gonna be so hungry for when we can finally get back into the theater and we can also be with each other, even if we're six feet from each other and we're in masks or you know whatever it is that we have to do when it happens you know, in early 21, this will be the first piece of art that we kind of take back in. And so for me, it feels like such the right choice because I think the message of the show is really something that I know I need to hear over and over again. And I think people do also. Um, and we'll get a little into that. But just so people know, what is this musical? Because um, always everyone's like, what is up with the title, right? Everybody wants to know, <laughs> like, what what is really going on with that title? Is it, you know, something silly? And of course, the play has so much musical, has so much more depth than that for us to be able to do. So we, before we bring out the creative team, we want to go ahead and share one of the songs from the show for people to be able to see. So this is Carissa and Ed performing one of the songs from the show in London last year, I believe. Um, so sit back, uh, relax, and, and get to watch also the amazing performer that is Carissa Bertels in this upcoming piece right here. Peace. 
know. Amazing, right? Amazing. I, I literally said she better sing like twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, bring the team out so everybody can see the people that made that fantastic music and we're making it for us. So this is Carissa Bertles. Hello. Welcome. Hey, hey. We hi. have Ed Bell. Hello. Hi, hi. And we have Christian Demel. Hello. Now, also, uh, this is a fun fact. Where where are the three of you? Where are the three of you coming to us from? <laughs> Pretty okay. spread out. That's right. Let's start with you, Carissa. Where are you? Um, I'm actually in Manhattan, Kansas, the Little Apple. So uh, from Manhattan, New York to Manhattan, Kansas, which is where my family lives. That's great. And I love that Carissa always does the Barack Obama trick, which is like bookshelves behind her with not a lot of books, <laughs> which actually you're like, oh, so smart. Uh, and Ed, where are you coming to us from? So I'm in Yorkshire at the moment. So it's uh, it's 10 past uh, midnight on Saturday morning. I'm in the future compared to you guys. <laughs> Fantastic. And Christian, where are you coming to us from? I am in Manhattan. New York. I am in New York, New York right now. So both apples represented for us. That's today. right. <laughs> so, um, so much to talk about, but first, can we just talk about like, how, how did this thing get started? What was the impulse for this all? Like, right, Chris, because this is somewhat based on your life, right? And yeah, your story. Yeah. Um, it is, it is based on real events and my real life. And, um, I moved to New York back in 2009, and uh, I wanted to pursue my Broadway dream, you know? So it was like, okay, that's the place to be. And so I moved there. And, um, you know, every actor has to have that crappy survival job, right? So uh, mine was selling this weird juice hybrid tea thing. And um, I would just go to grocery stores and hawk this drink and try and get people to, to try it and buy it. Um, and I ended up meeting this little old man in a grocery store and uh, somehow we just had this weird like soulmate connection, you know, where you're like, how is this happening in a grocery store with a stranger in New York City of all places? Um, but we were connecting about German leader and art songs and poetry and literature and Shakespeare. And um, I don't know, it was just like fated to be a thing. And um, and so he invited me over to his apartment um, after I got off work. And I was like, OK, uh, all right. I was like. Yeah. All right. And um, I called my husband. I was like, hey, listen, this is where I'm going. So, uh, you know, he's pretty old. I'm pretty sure I could break him. I'm not too worried. Um, but just so you know, uh, this is where I'll be. And um, and it just kind of we we spent like three hours that day just talking about life and literature. And um, and we became really great friends and we just developed this relationship um, over the years. So that was kind of the inspiration. And then um I don't want to give any way um, any spoilers, but you know, uh, there's an event that happens, and um, and it just really makes me uh, kind of reevaluate what my priorities in life are. You know, um, is it really about career? Is it really about um, ambition and accomplishments, or is it about something um, bigger and better? Um, and I feel like he really taught me a lot of those things. So he's he's both the inspiration, but also his. Um, attitude about life and regrets and what I've learned from him is the reason that I was like, okay, I shouldn't wait. I should make this show. And um, at the time, I didn't really consider myself a writer. And so I was like, I better find some writers. Uh, <laughs> so luckily, I know a lot of really great ones in New York. Um, one of them being my best friend, Christian. And so I brought him on board and I, you know, kind of twisted his arm to help me make this show. And um, he said, you know, I think I have the right person to write the music. And he and Ed Bell had worked um, in BMI. Um, they knew each other from BMI, um, a songwriting uh, workshop. And so uh, we all met and we were like, like, is this a thing? I think it's a thing. Um, and then we started writing the show together. Yeah. You know what, and, and what I love so much, right, about, and this is without giving away the plot, is that I feel like you're, you're talking about like intergenerational friendship, right? You're talking yeah, about like, what does it mean to have a friend who's not your same age? Yeah, which... and, and who's not your grandparent, you know what I mean? Like who, who's not related to you. Um, I don't think that we always get that gift. Um, you know, and I, I think it's really special. I have like four amazing grandparents and I, I only have a, one grandmother left, but um, she's so special to me. And so to get to have another person in my life uh, from that generation is just a really cool experience. Well, because I think we all feel like people older than us are slow and in the way <laughs> and people younger than us are, are dumb. 
and yet to figure it out. And only people exactly our age know what's yeah, going on. They're the only people who get it, right? Yeah. That's right. And there's so much lost, right, in terms of being able to look at people and not categorize them so quickly, right? And to Yeah, and, and I really for... think he, you know, he was a person who felt like an eight-year-old man trapped, you know, uh, or a 40-year-old man trapped in an eight-year-old man's body, you know, like, <laughs> His mind is so quick and and he he knows so much about literature and poetry. And, you know, he can quote me whole monologues and and poems and um, he's really sharp. So it, it's been a really cool experience to just learn about some of the things that he's passionate about. That's and, so cool. I love incidental like opportunities of wisdom that come up yeah. when you have these interactions with people that are have lasting. I used to be a makeup artist for Clinique for many years. Okay. And you have a lot of women that would come to the counter. And so you do, you, you form bonds with that age demographic <laughs> that shop in department stores. And it's special and it is, it is different. So I love that I connect with you on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you, you have to be open to it, right? Like you have to like look up and like see those people and um, uh, be willing to be patient and be willing to like take the time to get to know them. And I think I think he's taught me a lot about patience because I will tell you that is not my number one thing. <laughs> so he helps me slow down. You know, he helps me remember that it's OK to like be kind and listen to somebody's story for the 500th time. You know, like um, it's OK to be in the moment. Well, and I think why it's so important, why I love it, you know, and why I think it's so important for it to be the show that we bring back is that you're really diving into this idea of looking for similarities and not differences in other people, right? So sure. and he, I, now more than ever, right? Uh, it's like, how, how do we come together? How do we, um, uh, how do we find those things that can unite us instead of dividing us? And, um, you know, he's from a different generation. And so he has a lot of different um, perspectives and we don't agree on everything. Uh, but the nice thing is we can talk about everything. Um, and there have been things that he's come around on, you know, just from um, our conversations or, or from the things that we've um, experienced together, you know? Um, so it's, it's kind of cool to be able to influence each other. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I don't know anywhere else where people are making that effort to be like, we may not agree politically, you, you may have outdated notions of you know, gender roles or even what right. gender is, and I'm gonna look past that for a moment and try to get to know you the person because that's yeah, the only way we'll ever, that. yeah. Yeah, shared humanity. It's like, how, how do we see each other as um, people and, and our interconnectedness as humans? So one of the cool things about this show, right, is that not only did you get them to write it, but it won one of the most prestigious awards that is out there. Yeah, right? Which, Kristen Demel won that award because yeah. he's amazing. Um, and uh, it's, it's such a joy that it happened to be, you know, he submitted this show, but um, it's all him. He's, uh, you know, I, I think I picked two geniuses and a genius director. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really good at surrounding myself with geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but for people that don't know, it's the it's the Cleveland Award, right? And it yeah. comes with a hundred thousand dollars, right? Correct. Which that I feel like, true. which yeah. I feel like is important to say because everyone's always like, "Oh, you won an award," and it was like, <laughs> "No, no, no, this is for real," you know. And also, if I remember the award ceremony, they kind of like hand it to you in an envelope, yeah. right? A check, <laughs> like like it almost like it's strange. a little shady, right? It was like, very strange. Yeah, they. <laughs> It was a really cool ceremony, um, very, very private, very intimate sort of sharing. And um, yeah, the there were some speeches given about Ed Cleavan and what a remarkable contributor to the musical theater he was. And then they, they called up the winner of one of the winners of the Lyricist Award and they spoke about him and about the piece and how lovely it was. And then sort of out of the jacket pocket just came this white envelope and, and kind of like graduation style. You just saw like shake with one hand, receive with the other. And like, yeah. that was it. And you could, at least for me sitting in the audience, I was like, oh, they're like literally about to hand us a check in an unmarked white envelope in the middle of Manhattan. Like, where's my nearest bank? Did I, do I have the right card to deposit it? I don't know. It was, it was really sort of miraculous because you figure it'll, all the details will get sorted out later. And so it was a very fun surprise to like suddenly have it in hand and to celebrate. My family flew out. Carissa was there and got to perform. Um, yeah, it was a really magical night. So for you and Ed, what's it like to write a musical based on the life of somebody 
who's going to have to perform it, right? So you, you kind of have yeah. to get it right, right? Because yeah. she's there to be able yeah. to do it. What's that experience? Well, I think that the first thing is Carissa, you know, Carissa said really nice things about the rest of us, but Carissa is like one of the best people to work with in new musicals. She's like one of the biggest supporters of new musicals for stop, whether, you know, whether she's in them, whether she's got friends in them. Um, but I think for us, the hardest thing was, well, first of all, Carissa was totally open when, when we came on board. I think she'd done some work herself and maybe thought about writing it herself and was really open to like the input we'd bring in. And we were both, you know, really excited to work on the project. But the hardest thing I think for all of us is just like Carissa has so many different stories stories right of all these different things and like condensing those into like a 90 minute piece of like what you know what is worth including and what is worth like adapting based on the truth has been a whole process you know that we're still kind of tweaking because there's just like Chris has always said she'll write a book like there's so, so many more stories that you know the show could be like a series of you know three or four different shows so that was kind of one of the biggest things um but yeah, because I think we, we originally when we started, we got pages and pages of notes and Google Docs of all these different things. And so kind of marshalling that into a like a satisfying evening, you know, was the whole thing. And then you write know, these questions of like, there's places where we deviate from the actual truth of what happened a little bit. And it's like, what do you do with that? And like, how far can you move that and still feel like it's based on the truth? Um, but we think we found a pretty good, uh, pretty good balance of obviously it's based on real life, um, but it fits together as a full like narrative evening. So as Carissa said, there's times, you know, when um, Carissa and Milton disagree and they fall out and, you know, what that means. And, and so it's like all the best elements, the kind of the essence of what it is um, comes in the evening. But I guess as well, some of it was like finding a way into the into the musical like world of the songs as well and i'm sure we'll talk a bit about the workshop later but one of the things you know so we we're working last week on on the opening and like openings in musical theater are notoriously difficult to crack they're like always the hardest thing to do they're often the last thing you do um but like in most big musicals you have this kind of format where the opening number is like the entire cast comes on and sings a bunch of stuff and then a song or two later the lead singer sits down and sings a what's called an i want song or a character establishment song so you have these very like clear um Kind of this very like clear format is very clear like goalposts but obviously in our case the entire cast is the same as the leading character so <laughs> we had a lot of like figuring out how do we how do we make these songs feel uh like different enough even though obviously carissa is, is singing them and and so one of the things is some of the songs there is a song that's a duet between milton and carissa you obviously have to come see the show to see how that works and there are songs where Carissa sings as Milton or kind of sings in, in different ways. Um, and so we tried to kind of mine all of that material to make it as dramatic as possible and give us all these different situations. Because, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a big thing for Carissa, but I think for us as writers as well, giving that contrast through the songs um, was, was a really fun challenge. Well, I think one of the two oh, the, like fun little moments that came out of the early stages is we had this sequence of time where we were like, we gotten the stories together and we were starting to develop it. And we, we couldn't figure out how to differentiate between talking to Carissa as our collaborator and Carissa the character. <laughs> and so for a while we had this whole thing where we were like, and then Carissa the character does this, you know? And like, there was this whole phase where it was very specific and, um, and really quite comical even for us. Cause we'd be like, and then you as she, but feeling like you really do because you shared the story with us, do this, you know? Um, and then eventually now, I think we just have a shorthand. And well, I was gonna say, that's, to what's, that's what's amazing now is we just like, no, it's like a sixth sense. Yeah. <laughs> we just now, now they just talk Carissa's about me like I'm not about. there. They're just like, Carissa. <laughs> but like, <laughs> if, you, you know, if, you, if you listen in, if you're not part of the team, it would sound like the craziest thing. But, you know, as collaborators, you find this like, you know, you find that. And that was one of the most, I think, valuable things amongst many that Carissa brought is, she would get to really play two people in the room with us because she would say, well, here's what really happened. And here's mm -hmm. how I felt it. Here's how I experienced it. Here's how I responded. But, or and, in addition to that, here's the character I'm seeing that's being created on the page to create a through line and a narrative. And here's how I'm seeing that character respond that is still true to how I am walking through the world. So like, I don't know. I know you've talked about the adventure of that before, Carissa, but I think that's always a cool moment when I, you like see her her brain split into the two yeah. and walk parallel paths with us in the room. What is that like to be like living source material? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of fascinating because, um, you know, you'd think it would make your job a lot easier. And I think in some ways it does. Right. Because you're like, 
uh, you're not having to use as much of the magic what if, right, to imagine, oh, what if that happened to me? Well, most of it did happen to me, right? <laughs> um, but I think it's also um, kind of a challenge, right, to like separate yourself from from the truth and the reality of it and to allow um, dramatization and theatricality to like come into play, right, to, to create a satisfying journey and arc. Um, so that can be interesting, too, because you, you have to be willing to let go of that. Um, but I think it's I think it's fun. It's it's vulnerable. You know, you're really putting a lot um, more more so even than artists already do right um, onto the stage and onto the page. So uh, I think you have to be really willing to be open. So let's talk a little about just how musicals get made practically. Right. Because I think for our audience, which is getting. Um, you know, they've always somewhat known about new work, but maybe they didn't exactly know how the sausage is made, right? Many of the musicals they know and love already existed, right? And by the time that they encountered them, they were the classics, they don't know who made them, they've just always been the way they are. Um, and every musical, right, that you, that you love at some point was kind of a messy early musical that was probably almost abandoned, but then they fought through and figured out how to do it, right? So we, so we've been working on this show for how many years? Well, we start. It'll be seven years this January. So I, Christian had moved to New York. I think at the beginning of 2013. I'd arrived like September 2013 to do the BMI program where I met Christian, and I think it was the January. So there's like we had three months in the program, um, and then Christian had said that, and and so these guys, I can't remember who it was, found out about a. Uh, an opportunity at the Emerging Artists Theatre in, in New York. Um, and we did exactly that, the, exact, the messy, like, 40-minute version with half the songs not written. There was, like, it's funny you started with The, the Love Left Behind because that's, like, one of the first songs we wrote that's kind of sailed through every workshop and draft um, and not really been changed that much, whereas, like, other songs have completely been rewritten three or four times. Um, but, yeah, but because we kind of had an outline of the story as it still is, it's changed a lot, it's developed a lot, it's a lot richer now. Um, but it's kind of been a process of we had that like 40 minute version and then maybe a, was it a year later or six months later, we had a kind of full hour, hour and a quarter version that like every moment was in the show that is in the show now, more or less, um, or every kind of big plot point. Um, but yeah, there was like this long period of just like writing stuff that were like, we think it could be this, it could be like this. And a lot of those songs, have, you know, went in the trash can and haven't been seen for a long time because that's where they belong. Um, but as I say, some of the songs have sailed through and it just is this process of like trying out lots of different things. You know, one of the things we found again with the workshop last week is if the often if the story changes even a little bit, if the character changes very slightly, like what's important to them or how they're going to act it kind of ripples through the entire which is more a thing for christian on the book but it does affect the you know the the, the songs as well that as we change it there are often these kind of little or even substantial changes all the way through so songs that have existed for quite a long time need tweaking or even completely rewriting sometime to fit the kind of new um one of the things about musicals there's such a like alchemy to making them work so you can change kind of one detail they always say like if if act two isn't working it means something in act one isn't right or you know whatever it is um so yeah it's just kind of in this process for like nearly seven years um of making these small changes kind of over and over again well and even though we did a world premiere production right up in massachusetts and even though it won this amazing award and christian was shadily handed you know some money to be able to do and carissa you know, we all, awarded as well for that production up in boston that, that's right oh, yeah. that's right that's that right carissa won an ernie award right for best solo performance yeah. um so but even though all those awards happened right like we all walked away and said like great that was a fantastic first production we learned a lot there are things that could be better right, right. and so part of aiming for this production was like right let's now take it to the next level um and as Ed reminded us, in the alternate universe, right, today <laughs> is actually the opening night of uh, the show, right? If it really was the first show of the Arizona Theater Company season, tonight would be opening night, right? So we Yeah, would we'd be partying with all of you in real life. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And we get to party here, and that's fun. We're happy to see yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. So last week we got together just to work on the show and really just to work out, as Ed was saying, on the beginning, right? So we want to share just a little video for people to be able to understand what does it look like to spend several days working on a musical at the beginning. So if everybody just turn off their 
cameras will will show you how last week went. Picture me, not as I am now, but as I was when life had just begun. My mother took one look at me and said I was one, one in a million. A five, six, seven, eight. And two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and one. Kick two, hit three, hit four, one, five, six, I'm touching. Drama two, around in a circle, kick and jiggle. Shit, shit. Ah, oh, smiling six, hope they didn't see. Nope, they saw. Ah, sexy. Oh. I'll read right. as much as feels important. Uh, <laughs> everything, every word. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I, I was like, if you care a rule, it's all of it. Yeah, the thing I was wondering hearing at that time is like if the fall needs to happen in the dance. It's like, oh, this, she needs this musical number to like survive every month. What's the pace of the actual number when she does it? Does she have to do it much faster than like, that? Oh, I wonder if I can play a little bit, you know, with that, um, that first section so that it feels different. Picture me, but way back in my past, back when my life had just begun. My mother read to me and said that I was one. One in a million. I hear you wondering how does she do it? Such ease and style and grace. Come closer, I'll reveal the secret that lets me win the race. You see, I am all I need. I've learned to lean on number one. If I were on the menu at Mickey D's, I'd be burger, lettuce, bacon, cheese, tomato, and bun. If I were playing for the Mets, you bet I'd put the meat in team. Watch me taking my own lead, cause I am all I need. It's gonna, I think, actually do that thing later when she talks about, I put up my guard and I never took it down. You know, that we're like, oh, this is what you're talking about, Christian, where it's like something we sold early on as a plus is actually a bit of a minus for her. Right. And even we were sort of charmed by it at first. That's right. That's right. Who who shouldn't be all they need, right? Who should? Big city lights to chase big city dreams. Uh, you know, and so that is the new opening number for the show that yeah. we worked on being put in. Um, and I just want to give a, a shout out uh, to Will Rogers, who puts together our videos for us. I mean, that's yeah. impressive, yeah. right? To see how yeah, much is put amazing. together. Right. And if you can only imagine, like, we recorded those things uh, uh, in rehearsal, right? And then it took me several days to remember to send them in. And then he very quickly <laughs> was able to turn around and put it together for us today to yeah. be able to do. That's right. So thanks, Will, for making that happen. Yeah, so there's a new now opening number to the show, right? That has yeah. songs. So can you talk about that a bit? Well, I think one of the things we found, um, yeah, as Sean said, we do the production in Massachusetts. And one of the things we found pretty much every night is it took the audience like five, ten minutes to really settle into the show. The kind of second big song um, is called What Of You. And by that moment, it felt like everyone had settled in and we were like, but people need to settle in within the first minute. That's too long. So, so it always kind of been on our radar that it was something to think about. Um, and yeah, so the first day in, in, in the workshop, we chatted about alternative approaches um, and found uh, instead of a like big six minute song that like threw everything in, um, we found kind of two short songs that really touched the, the kind of main things we want to set up in the show. Um, for the you know for the for the rest of the story, so we have these two songs. One is called "One in a Million," which you heard a bit of, um, and it's kind of Carissa in Manhattan, Kansas, as a younger girl. Like before she get, we kind of get to know her before she goes on this amazing journey. She's going to go on in New York, meeting Milton and all that stuff. Um, and then um, the the second number is called "All I Need." I think we called it. Yeah, yeah. All I need. Nodding, nodding at me. Um, Did we write it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it was that we toyed with two or three different titles. It's that fresh in my brain. Um, so yeah, and so we kind of had a short uh, thing, and, and actually, kind of to I think Chanel's question with with Carissa of like be, it being based on a real life. One of the things I found, and I think I don't know if Christian will agree, but there's times with Carissa where we like have to make the character not true to real life, or like have to emphasize like slightly, slightly more like negative character character um, sides of the, you know, the Carissa character in the show to keep the show interesting and to like give us something to learn and grow. And so we came up with a song where she's, uh, she's at a job, the monkey juice job that Carissa had in real life. 
um, kind of just doing everything on her own and not relying on anyone, um, doing her own thing and showing off everything she can do on her own so that when Milta comes in and they form this friendship, we can kind of track that, that arc and how she changes because of the friendship as the show goes on. So it just felt like a, a much more compact version of like all the stuff we did before in a more kind of um, crazy and multifaceted way we managed to get, we think, with, with two songs, two kind of shorter songs. I think, too, my favorite thing about where we got to with this piece is Ed mentioned this 40-minute version that we put up for the first iteration. And I think it was like three days before that version went up. And, and I was like, we didn't have any opening number. And I was like, Ed, yeah. it's a musical. We got to write a song, <laughs> you know? And so we had this we had this song. I think the initial first moment of the show was Carissa came out and held an illuminated globe. That was the original <laughs> first version. And saying this sort of like, this like softer little thing that let us get to know her before the chaos of New York entered. And then she's saying this like really wild belty thing that had nothing to do with plot at all. And it was just like, welcome to me. Um, hmm. And then we departed from that when we did a workshop in Philadelphia uh, with Sean and we came up with this really agitated, New York gritty, stressful opening number that is still one of my most favorite things that I've written and particularly that Ed and I have written because it's so unique. And then yeah. we put it up and it didn't work. But I remember when we were rehearsing uh, up in Lowell, Sean did a version where he directed Carissa to just like, come on and look at us for a moment. Just let Carissa walk on stage before she sings, before anyone speaks and just let us see this wonderful, fantastic performer and, and feel safe with her on stage. Um, and so then we did the, the production, it didn't work. And now we have this new version that I think has returned. Sometimes as artists in new work, you go, what was the original impulse? What did we all think the top of the show needed? And independently, we all felt like we just need some like quiet time with Carissa at the top. And so I love that, you know, seven years later, we're getting back to this moment of, of privacy and this quiet moment with her that all of us instinctively felt was what the show needed to start with. Well, I think that is one of the things, again, like music uh, opening numbers are just so difficult to crack because you're trying to, you're trying to like kick the show off in the right direction. And if you're off by a couple of degrees, you can like confuse the audience or take it in a different, you know, take things in a different place. And so, yeah, Christian's right. We kind of come full circle in, in the best way that we started with this number, um, this moment to get to know Carissa and this kind of opening that felt more like a cabaret that was like Carissa, again, real life Carissa, not the character Carissa, Carissa, the actress introducing herself to like the audience so she could then take us on the story as Carissa, the character. Um, and so we were like, well, it's not really a cabaret show. It's a, it's a narrative show. It's basically, it's got the story of a full musical. It just happens to have one character in it, one performer in it. Um, and so, yeah, we'd written this number that did all the character dramatic things that a musical number should do. Um, but in doing that, we, we kind of got rid of this moment where we just get to know Carissa as a human being, Carissa the actress, um, Carissa the character, Carissa the actress as the character in the show. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of came back to that just as a moment to be like, oh, this is where we are. And, you know, as I was saying in, in Lowell, we just had this moment where it just felt like people weren't quite settling in to Carissa, the, the character, or Carissa, the performer, and, and just giving, you know, even a, a, a musical number that's like a minute, maybe a minute and a bit, just enough to let people get into that um, feels, it just feels a lot better. So it's kind of like, we have gone back, but in a completely different way. Um, and so fingers crossed, it does all the things it's supposed to do, but we'll find out. <laughs> so eventually when it opens on Broadway, she will come down in a giant lit up globe, right? That's right, that's right. Um, <laughs> that will come yeah, full circle as it arrives down. That's right. that's right, it holds Everyone her and then she'll step out. people five, three exactly. and below can play her. <laughs> that's right, that's right, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting to, cause we keep talking about the audiences that saw it the first time. And this is the thing with new work that I think people don't realize if you were at a world premiere production or even like one of the first three productions, your fingerprints are all over that production. We cl mm -hmm. You clock as artists exactly, you know, night after night, when did they shift? When did they stop shifting? When did they, you know, like when were they in? Like we all kind of agree at one point there's one song where you could feel night after night, the audience is like, get in and then they never got out, right? And so yeah. it was like, okay, 
So like what they don't realize, right? Because they just think they're watching it and they like it or they don't like it. And it's like, no, no, we're we're studying you, right? It's like the most yeah. dangerous type of focus group there is. We're like watching <laughs> you to see how it is. And then eventually we're like, okay, if 22 different nights, everybody was a little shifting in their seats and they don't even realize they're shifting, right? They're communicating to us that they're enjoying it, but not yeah. locked in, right? It, it's not that thing that happens sometimes in theater where like, nobody moves or nobody breathes, you know, so what has to happen. And so I think like, yeah, we, mm -hmm. we learn so much and then we learn from them and now we try to adjust that and see if it happens again. Yeah, and that is one of the things as a, you know, as a writer, well, and for live theater as well, it's obviously, it's not film, it's not, you know, recorded music and every show is slightly different and it was really interesting to watch it. When we did this show at MRT, it's the first time it's been done kind of repeatedly you know, over and over again. And and by the way, I should say, one of the nice things about being a writer is nobody really knows who you are. So like, you can sit at the back of the theater, like you guys will know who we are now, but you can, um, you overhear all sorts of conversations you wouldn't hear otherwise. And often it's really useful just to hear people's kind of honest opinion. Um, but yeah, you do get this sense of like every night is different. It's interesting watching and feeling how different scenes and different songs kind of just beat slightly differently. But as Sean said, there are all, often these moments that are like the same every single night. And then you can just, as much as you want to be like, oh, it's just that audience that night, you have to be like, okay, it's not doing what we want to do. We probably need to do some rewriting. So that's the whole thing. But if, <laughs> if it happens once or twice, we'll usually be like, no, it's fine, it's fine. But yeah, you reach a point where you have to say, it, it's not them, it's me, right? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> and this is great, it. what is this, this great thing Brian Yorkie said, who's one of the writers from Next to Normal, who said something like, if the audience weren't getting it, we figured we could like stand in the lobby every night and explain what the show was supposed to be, or we could just fix it, and then we wouldn't have to. <laughs> so like, that's definitely the best way to approach it. The other thing that's cool about uh, new work and especially having such a close relationship with Carissa and her being on stage the whole time is she would also, you know, at a certain point when she felt like she had the rhythm of the show, then then you start getting the text that's like, no, but really that section is killing me. You know, like <laughs> or you must, we have to look at this. So I don't know if you want to speak to that as well, Carissa, how, how what you feel from the audience has helped. Yeah. To things that we yeah because you can through. you can feel their energy you know that's what's so great i think about live theater is that immediate feedback loop you know like um you you hear them you breathe with them you you can see if people are being moved or if or if they're distracted and um so it's, it's great because um you're getting that feedback as a performer which we we love right that's what we live for we're like yes people giving me the love or attention or or whatever but um but it was it was a great uh, monitor right for like how the experience was going and and how invested they were in the journey that we were going on together and i think that was the coolest thing for me was every night i got to go on a really special journey with like 200 people you know and and i felt like we were all changed by the end of it and and that's the kind of art that i think every artist wants to do right wants wants to feel like they've changed people and that they walk out of the theater um, different. And I know that I walked out of the theater different every night. So, um, yeah, so it's it's going to be even better when we can uh, calibrate just those little top moments, you know, to get them on that journey with me even quicker. Oh, I, 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 I need to go see it now, even though I know how it ends, even hearing you guys talk about it. Um, we so have we have a lot of love coming from Facebook. Yay. Hi, Facebook. Oh, hey. Hey. Um, and we had a couple of questions. So just just real quick. Um, yeah, yeah. The questions was, will the duet remain in the production? Christian, do you want to feel that one? Yes, the duet will remain. I will tell you it was almost on the chopping block, but we worked it, it out. It almost always is, though, right? <laughs> so, so explain what, what a duet in a one-person show is. So yeah, this was actually one of the other songs that was in the first workshop. It's changed quite a lot, but the idea of it was in there. Um, but yeah, again, you know, we, we were like brainstorming all these different ways we could like have Carissa sing dramatically. And so most of the songs she's her, one of the songs she's Milton. And I can't remember who said it, but somebody was like, what if she does a duet? Like what if she, you know, so all the way through, she's doing the voices of Milton and other people and as herself. And we were like, what if that becomes, um, a song, so it becomes this kind of old timey, very like traditional musical theater song where Carissa and Milton kind of celebrate a moment together. Um, and I, I don't know at what point it was decided there was also gonna be dancing um, in the song, but that happened at some point. So Carissa does this kind of whole routine, um, which kind of sounds like a vaudeville thing, which I guess it is, but it's really like, 
it's really fun, but it's also really beautiful. It's a really beautiful way to kind of celebrate their um, friendship. But like one of the things we've found is it's always like, in its own way, it's always a showstopper because people just love to see, you know, just Carissa, the performer, the real life actress, just doing all this stuff is so enchanting. Um, but we've just like, we just tweaked it slightly a few times and finding the right home for it, the right moment in the arc of the, the evening has always been a, been a thing. So that's why Christian is, is making those faces and giving caveats because there's been so many times we had so many conversations about, do we need it? Do we keep it? And it's, but it's there, it's there for now. Yeah, I feel like on some deep level, we love to torture actors, right? Like we right, love right. to see them push to the brink of like what they can do. Yeah, and you almost... want to see the impossible, right? And like doing a duet with yourself feels impossible. You're like, <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say, but like Carissa makes it look, I don't know if she makes it look, e she knows she makes it look easy. She makes it look <laughs> like it's, it's a whole thing and it's amazing and she does this thing. And then in real life, she's exhausted 10, 20 minutes later. But like when it happens, it's the most radiant, you know, it's, she does a great job. Thank you. Uh, uh, so someone else had asked, will there be as much dancing in this performance as last time? Oh, that's a good question. Um, since we changed the opening, I think there will be, but it probably won't look the same. Um, our old opening had like a whole audition sequence, you know, so we see Carissa, the character going to an audition and um, and having kind of a rough time. And um, and I think since, you know, now we've got a new number, it, it might be a little more of a like celebratory, like I'm, I really got it going on, you know, here I am selling this juice and I'm totally nailing it. We Last week in the workshop, we were like, yeah, yeah, it's like, like Tom Cruise in that movie where he's a bartender, you know, and he's flair bartending. So, you know, maybe the dance will now will be flair bartending. I don't know, but um, I hope to keep the, the, the dance element because I think it's so um, uh, essential to like who I am and who Carissa is as a character. And, um, and it's just a fun language, right, to play with yeah. uh, because musicals depend on these these different things, right? We speak and when there's too much emotion for that, we sing and when there's too much emotion for that, we dance. And so I feel like there has to be dance, right? In order to express the full emotion that I think my 80 year old boyfriend uh, traverses. Oh my God, great answer. So someone asked if there's gonna be a way to see the show virtually, which is a great question. So let me answer that. So one of the things we're doing next year um, is that every show that we do, we're doing a three camera shoot on opening night to be able to capture it. And anybody who purchases a ticket, if they feel uncomfortable coming to the theater, they can get a link sent to them so that they can watch it from home. Which means that you could be anywhere in the world, purchase a ticket, claim that you feel uncomfortable flying <laughs> all the way there to be able to do it, and we'll send you the link, right? So actually one of the exciting things about this is, like not only is it the, First show back, but it's also a show that we get to share with the whole world, That's right? Awesome. For people anywhere to be yeah. able to do it, you know, and that that's only available right for the time that the show is running. So it's not like you get the show at home, but it's just a great way for us. If people in Tucson or Phoenix are nervous about coming to the theater or elsewhere, there's going to be a way that they can see the performance shot on opening night, you know, multiple different ways, and that's that's exciting, right? That's something that um, we don't have to go into it now, but that's a real game changer in our industry that that's available for people to be able this next year, because it means that not only can you support your theater if you're nervous of coming, but it means you finally get to watch the work of all the artists that you love all over the country. Cause right, the, we, nobody sees the vast majority of theater, right? You just kind of, you hear about shows, you wish you could see them. You're like, oh, Patrick Stewart was in that. That's awesome. I didn't see it, you know? <laughs> so, but like now you can actually be able to watch it from anywhere, right? And that'll be the same thing for this, right? So people that are fans of the show, everyone who saw it before can watch it again in terms of- Yeah, Massachusetts, <laughs> That's right, that's right. So we have a, a little bit of a time left. So um, what else are you all working on? I know some of you have other projects that you're doing and other big things that are happening, maybe even today. So uh, just share with us, like what else is going on in your life besides this show? Well, I, if, if I can go first, I yeah, got the biggest uh, kind news, of, but... yeah, I was gonna say today is a bit of a day for me. I have, uh, I kind of split my life half between writing music for, uh, music and lyrics for theater and sometimes film. Um, and the other half of my life, I do a lot of music education work. So uh, I run a business called The Song Foundry where I do a lot of teaching, um, either one-to-one -one and blogs and video content and stuff. And I also have, as of today, uh, seven books on songwriting. So my kind of last, 
in a, in a kind of series um, of books came out today, which is, I was just saying to these guys, it's really fun. Like it's those days when you get to like share something you've been working on for months is really fun. But one of the reasons I don't just do my education and, um, and like writing, being an author, um, is you don't get an opening night, you don't get applause, you don't get all of that stuff. So it's, um, it, it's really nice when that happens. Um, but I, I miss the kind of opening night party and the kind of being able to sit in a theater and enjoy. But, so that's kind of my life. If that. people if people want to buy your book, where can they go to yeah. buy? Yeah, uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, it's available on iBooks, Kindle, all of the things. Uh, independent bookstores can order it if you don't if you're not an Amazon shopper or whatever. Um, the best thing, the best place to find out about them is to go to thesongfoundry.com. That's my education website, so you can check that out there. Thanks for the plug, Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Carissa, what are you working yeah. on? Um, I am working on um, actually making a companion book to this show um, that will include all of the other stories that, like Ed said, we couldn't cram into, you know, our our 90 minute format of a musical. Um, So I'm hoping to have that um, here ready for when we um, do get to come to Arizona. So um, uh, put those stories together for all of you. And then uh, Christian and I are collaborating on a musical um, called The Uncivil Ones. And it's about female, trans and non-binary people during the Civil War. So it's about um, stories that we just really haven't heard. Um, and I'm really excited about that one. Uh, so we're, we're back in the saddle for that and um, getting ready to tackle a huge rewrite. So ooh, here we go. But um, I think it's going to be really amazing. Great. And Christian, what are you up to? Uh, we're, we're just getting back in the weeds with Uncivil One. So I would say the bulk of, of my rewrite time is spent there. But on the complete flip side from a piece about... Uh, intersectionalism and intersectional feminism in particular during the Civil War. Uh, I am working on with my collaborator, Sarah Musek, a... What? Oh, sorry, I thought I heard a voice pop through. Um, uh, A piece called Xmas, a Merry Mutant musical that is a holiday parody featuring some of your favorite mutants that you may be familiar with. So that's the flip side from looking at intersectional feminism, but all of it with, you know, how we connect with each other. And like Carissa said, are we willing to be open with one another to see the person on the other side of the table or the other person in the room or, you know, the family member who comes to the holiday party who we struggle with. So, you know, they all have that heart in them. Can you, can you say a little bit more about your X-Men musical just for our producer, China mm-hmm. Young, who will be someday starring in it at a Tucson <laughs> theater near you? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, the project actually started because Carissa produced, uh, with our friend uh, Kristen Budzina, produced an evening of Christmas songs or holiday songs. We, it all stemmed from this idea of like, oh, all these songs we know, White Christmas, um, uh, chestnuts roping on, roasting on an open fire. We, those are all from musical theater writers. Uh, and so she was like, well, let's write some new ones, some new holiday hits. And uh, Sarah and I came up with this, it's a very X-Men Xmas song that was really just goofy and fun and celebratory. And we presented it that night and Carissa was like, no, but seriously, you guys, if you write that show, I'm gonna produce that musical. And we were like, well, we better write that show then. And so- um, Yeah, I mean, I was like, come on, I have to be Jean Grey. I was like, this is happening, write this show. (laughs) And so it's, it's great. The best part about it is like, one, we get to lampoon and have fun with these characters whom Sarah and I have a deep love for and who I know Carissa now has gained a deep love for being involved in the show. Uh, but it's really just a family with all of its function and dysfunction. They just happen to have mutant powers while they're dysfunctioning with each other. Um, so, yeah. Ah, oh, <laughs> all sound amazing. We, uh, we ask everyone that comes on the show to bring a word that we feel like they want to pass on to us, so which ends up being the name of the episode. So uh, do you each have a word to leave with us before we go? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Ed, you want to go first? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's kind of related to what I said before. My word is um, community. And like, it's been such a weird time, like for everyone, you know, the past like seven or eight months. Um, But, you know, and as I said, I love doing my kind of writing work 
on my own, which is just me sitting in a room with a laptop. But it's been like I've really missed the past few months being able to like get in a rehearsal room virtually, you know, or, or in real life. Um, and so it was just so much fun last week to feel part of a theatre community again, you know, and be making stuff with, you know, with these people I admire and respect as friends and, and collaborators. So, yeah, that's kind of my word. Great. Carissa? Uh, my word is pivot. I feel like um, we're all being asked to do that right now. Um, and uh, I've, I've pivoted to like, I bought a house in Kansas. I'm uh, spending this pandemic time with my family, uh, which is amazing. It's like such a gift. So um, I know that there are so many struggles in the world um, right now um, on many levels. And um, I, I just feel like being able to be resilient and being able to be nimble enough to pivot and say, okay, this is what's happening now. This is reality. And this is um, how I can make the best of this situation um, is really going to serve everyone well. And I feel like you all at Arizona Theater Company have been doing that, right? You've pivoted. You All of a sudden you have this podcast that has thousands of, of people viewing it. Um, you've learned how to do a lot of things digitally, right? You're, you're like, how can we keep the thing that we love alive, right? And the answer is we have to pivot. Um, so I'm trying to embrace that and, and just make it part of my life that it's okay to like, again, be here in the now. Um, and, and maybe that means steering my ship a little differently uh, for the time being. So my word is pivot. Great. Christian? Uh, my word, those are such great words. Um, my, the <laughs> word I'm bringing in tonight is intimacy. Um, I feel like amidst this sheltering in place that many of us have gone through, we're like getting to look inward and be more intimate with ourselves. If we live with others, we're learning new levels of intimacy or uh, some of my friends, you know, struggling with what does it mean when I can't escape this person at all or feels like I can't. Um, and sort of relating to both, you know, the community that Ed spoke about and, and Carissa talking about this complicated time, I feel really lucky uh, and blessed that, you know, my BIPOC friends have been really open during this time talking about anti-racism and really being intimate with me in conversations and creating space to listen to each other and to express thoughts and to listen for understanding, not listen to then prove my point or counterpoint. And so amidst all of the struggle and disagreements and whatever side of whatever fences we like to construct between us, I feel like there's this interesting new thing happening as we all pivot where we're all looking at how do we connect in intimate and meaningful ways when getting into a room together has changed. And, and that's happened in theater as well. So I think I'm eager for the intimacy of getting into that dark room and seeing, hearing the music start and seeing the lights come up. But yeah, the word I'll leave everybody with is intimacy. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, friends, so much for coming on our show. No, thank, thank you, you guys for having us. Oh yeah. my God, thank you for being here. Yeah, so for everyone that's excited now, this is My 80-Year-Old Boyfriend, which is going to be our first show back when we're able to be safe in stage. So we're aiming for January of 21. So actually, in theater terms, that's like now. You know what I mean? Theater, theater, is so, theater is so slow, right? That you're like, January, oh my God. We gotta get it together today to be able to do it. Um, great, thank you all so much for being here. Uh, we're gonna have the call board in a second, but I will say tune in next week so that you can meet the cast of Slow Food. And also, so you can find out who is the butter sculpture champion, which we'll find out next week. And it's uh, not me, trust. It's not, no, no, yeah. I tried it. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you all so much for watching and please watch the call board so you can see what's coming up next at the theater. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Janelle. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Hi, I'm Will Rogers and welcome to this week's call board. As you heard on the show, things are gearing up and the kitchen is getting hot for our upcoming digital play reading of Wendy McLeod's Slow Food. And the fun doesn't stop at the reading itself. We have a whole host of events planned. You can find information on all of it at arizonatheater.org slash slow food. And if you really want to get in on the action, join us for ATC Nails It Monday the 14th as we do our homage to the uh, comedic cooking show hosted by our very own Chanel Bragg. 
And before we go, we would like to check in with our very own China Young about something else special happening on Monday night. Hi, China. Hey, well, thank you. Um, yeah, so the Tucson Performing Arts Community has put together a town hall conversation on diversity and equity in the theater and performing arts in Tucson. Um, it's basically a response to the national conversation being had, both um, across all industries in this nation, but particularly in in the performing arts. So that is Monday night, September fourteenth at six p.m. There is a webinar link um, that. That we can probably put in our show resources so we will do that and please register to share with your friends we would love to have you uh, join the conversation yeah it's an important conversation so please check that out check out atc nails it on monday and don't forget the digital play reading of slow food have a great weekend everyone